Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> it's my pleasure. My pleasure to be here. Have you ever done this before? Uh, once or twice, yes. Good, good, good. Well, let me just go over a couple of things okay. to make it easier for us during recording and me for editing later. Sure, yeah. Um, so please silence your cell phone. Mm, done. Okay. Um, if you need to go potty, just give me a little wave. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll do some clapping between the sections. This helps me with editing, but don't let it startle you. Okay. Okay. I'll try. Um, I know how much you love to curse, but we really want to make this show accessible for all. So if you could just keep it to a minimum, I can, you know, sure. take, it, take it out later or whatever. Yeah. You know, we can just do a little, you know. Uh, okay. Uh, any topics you want me to avoid? Um, no, I think, uh, if, if there's, uh, if there's anything I think of after the fact, I'll let you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. Okay. Yeah. You got water, you know, in case you Actually, have I, a coffee or a cough, cough moment. I've, I've got, I've got a cough drop in, but, um. You want to grab a water real quick? Yeah, I'll grab some water. We actually might want to turn the coffee machine off too, just so it doesn't uh, beep in the middle of the whole thing. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, any questions before we begin? Uh, you seem very well prepared. Have you done this before? Um, it's my first time. Really? Okay. Well, for your first time. But I was time. taught really well. Okay. For your first time, you seem like you're really well prepared. Awesome. So you're, you're off to a good start. Thank you. That great compliment. So, all right. We will get started. Okay. Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is cough. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beat me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, executive producer, Kat Davis. In 2014, he began a small internet webcomic that eventually exceeded its crowdfunding goal and is available in stores around the country. In 2015, he attended an open mic comedy show and has now headlined shows on both coasts. During the pandemic, he began this very podcast that has now been listened to in over 50 countries around the world. He is my other, funnier, hairier half, the one, the only, my one and only, it's Mr. Todd A. Davis! Yay! Yay! <laughs> <My> Hi! <hands. laughs> Thanks for being our special guest on this 100th episode! I am overjoyed that I get to be the 100th guest. 100th episode! Yes! Yay! Oh, this, is, this is great. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Tell me your thoughts on reaching this auspicious milestone. I had been podcasting for a good long while before I pulled the trigger on this show, but I knew it was a lot of work, but it didn't really hit, it didn't really hit until I actually started doing it day to day, week to week. 
uh, it was very comforting to hear that quote of most shows don't make it past episode three. Even fewer shows make it past episode 20. Here we are at episode 100. 100. Yeah. Um, so I am really encouraged by uh, the fan interaction that I've had. Uh, the interaction with the Star Trek community that I've had. The interaction with the Star Trek alumni Heck that I've yeah. had. It's been amazing. Yeah. It has been so great and so many good things have come from it and you know we've come such a long way but we still have plenty of trek left to go in fact um, i don't know if you saw this but earlier i believe it was earlier this week they announced the dates for uh strange new worlds coming back and uh Lower Decks getting another season and uh, Prodigy getting another it's season. It's so awesome that there's so many, yeah, so many Star Treks like like still coming right now. I mean, we just watched Picard last night, you know, uh-huh. so Picard's still going on. Discovery still has another season, doesn't it? Yeah, Discovery's going to be starting its last season. This is the last season of Picard, but it's, I mean, right now, currently, there are five. five. There are five Star Trek shows running, which is has never happened in in the franchise history. And also earlier this week, they announced a new show coming. <gasps> Did they? Star Trek uh, Starfleet Academy. Ooh. Which, the, the an extra layer of cool is that <laughs> Tawny Newsom, who is the voice of Beckett Mariner on Lower Decks, is going to be one of the writers. That's awesome. For Starfleet Academy. So I'm looking forward to what... Is that another comes. one geared more towards the younger generation? Yeah, from what I from what I understand, it's geared more towards uh, teens. Okay. You know, Prodigy was kind of focused on younger kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the rest of Star Trek is kind of you know falls in adults. line with yeah, generally speaking, adults. But this one is kind of centered on like the teen the teen demographic, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So. For our uh, loyal listeners, yes, what is? Uh, can you give us a little glimpse into the crystal ball that is Computer Resume Podcast and what Ooh. we can look for? What you're dreaming up? Uh, I have um, either I, either you know really far off into the advance, or maybe in just like the next couple months, or what's going on? Well, uh, I am making. I'd like to say I'm making strides, but I'm actually making probably more like baby steps uh, <laughs> towards uh, new things every week, trying to expand the reach on social media, uh, trying to figure out the best way to go about creating some video content, um, interacting with other Star Trek shows. In fact, later today, I have another recording with uh, Trexpert's Quiz. Uh, it will be a redemption episode because the first time I went on, I lost <laughs> so horribly. You have to win this time. <laughs> I have to win this time. <laughs> uh, but again, you know, interacting with, with all these folks uh, just gives me bigger ideas for more things. Um, I've, you know, teased for a long time now the desire to do a at least one Dungeons and Dragons Star Trek themed play episode yeah. where I have where I would DM uh, a few of our regular guests uh, through a medieval setting, but with Star Trek themed elements um, 
and we would just play it out and I would insert music and sound effects and all those wonderful things. That sounds fun. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I've manifested, uh, I've put it out in the universe that I would love to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons or um, Star Trek Adventures, which is the uh, TTRPG based on Star Trek from Modipus. Um, I would love to play that with Bonnie Gordon, who's played it before, in fact, played it very publicly. <laughs> um, Todd Stashwick, who just came back from GaryCon, where he was able to purchase the box set of the core rule books, which they did a great thing where the box set actually looks like the TOS uh, tricorder, and it mm-hmm. opens up that way. It's it's a, It's got a, like a strap and the whole thing. It, it looks great. Uh, but yeah, I would love to play uh, any sort of TTRPG with... Um, well, anybody really, uh, but come play with us. yes, please come play with us. Uh, some other things I'm working on. I know we're trying to figure out the best way to bring back, uh, the fantasy draft. Uh, when I have mentioned the fantasy draft to people, uh, the one time that we did it, um, everyone seemed to have really enjoyed it. Uh, so I would love to have a couple of themed, uh, fantasy draft matches, and really build up to sort of a uh, tournament of champions, yeah. uh, which would be great. Our current champion is uh, Gary Horn, who's got... Oh, we got to uh, take that down. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we got to take Gary down. <laughs> um, but I've had enough people on the show... Uh, from... Gary Bear, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> we do love Gary. <laughs> uh, but we've had enough people on the show from different uh, avenues that I think it would be fun to do some sort of themed... Yeah. Some themed fantasy drafts. I've had a lot of uh, military veterans. Oh. I've had a lot of writers. I've had a lot of uh, visual artists, uh, you know, uh, other podcasters, of course. So I think doing some themed fantasy drafts and then sort of pitting all those people together, you know, in this fun game type scenario would be a lot of fun to do. Absolutely. So um, other than that, I think we've got... uh, the website is still in the brainstorming stages, but uh, the website is coming um, along with some merch that has been rattling around in the back of my brain for a while. Nice. A couple of t-shirt ideas. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be getting some more. I already mentioned the video content, but we may be doing some sort of special uh, event around launching the youtube video content um that that's i don't want to let too much out of the bag at this point but um needless to say if you'd like to be a part of it uh our patreon is still up and running so if you want to have the inside track on this trek track (laughs) (laughs) um please consider uh becoming a patreon supporter and you'll have the uh You'll be in the know when we uh, when we launch stuff. So. And tell your friends about our show and yes. uh, you know, spread the word about how awesome this is becoming. Yeah. I mean again, we've hit a hundred episodes. I know. That's awesome. <laughs> it's all it's almost embarrassing because it's kind of like you've been at it for how long and you've got how many episodes somebody I I felt my cheeks get Why is that embarrassing? Well, it's just kind of somebody somebody Said I forget who said it, um, but they were like, uh, we were talking on an episode, and they said, you're a pillar in the Star Trek community. And I was like, 
Am I? <laughs> Am I? You are. <laughs> Am you I? <laughs> are rocking it. And I, I mean, I'm just having fun, you know, you know, following. You want to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's weird to think that I'm some sort of uh, leader of this fan community. I mean, the fan fandom is kind of your own thing. I always viewed it as a very personal thing, but if I'm some sort of beacon or pillar or whatever it is, I hope it's for positive things. I feel like, Oh uh, yeah. I feel like we've done a good job of maintaining the, uh, no gatekeeper attitude and expressing more love than hate. Um, sir, I don't think we've ever really promoted hate of any kind, but no. maybe, maybe <laughs> I hope not. no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been, we've been, you're honest. We, yeah. We, when things, <laughs> like this doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. When things don't work, we're honest about it. We own it, you know, and as fans, we, I've always looked at, uh, I've, I've always been concerned that people would be afraid to come on because we make fun of Star Trek from time to time. Well, you're a comedian. I'm a so. comedian, but I've always I've always viewed it as like playful teasing between yeah. siblings. Like, you know when if if you have a sibling and you tease them, that's one thing, but if somebody who's outside the family teases them, you shut it down immediately. <laughs> like, hey, 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 hey. You don't get to say that. I get to say that. <laughs> I sat through the motion picture in theaters. <laughs> I paid good money to sit there. I paid my dues. Yeah. <laughs> I've earned this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so it's it's been a it's been a really fun ride. Uh, let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. It's been a long road getting from there to here. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been really great. I'm so happy to have uh, to have come this far and to be able to check this off. Um, yeah, off the uh, you know off our list of. Of things that we're going to be covering on this you show. Know, I'm glad you brought back up Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and the theme song and all that stuff. Did you catch that in the episode we're discussing today, she mentioned that Enterprise and Captain Archer was a hundred years ago? Yeah. And you're on the hundredth episode. Like I was just like, ooh, seren- you know, serendipity here. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. This is pretty cool. I yeah, it's been really fun because I think one of Star Trek's strengths is the fact that it relies not only on actual real life history, but it also stays true, at least as much as it can, to its own history. Mm-hmm. So they keep things in mind of like, okay, this this show is taking place here, which means Enterprise has already happened, but we haven't gotten to TOS yet, you know, if we're speaking about Discovery. And at this point in the production, Strange New Worlds hasn't really happened, but Captain Pike gets introduced not too long from now. So we know that that's coming. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's that's that's been one of these interesting things because you're kind of, it has its own rich history, but it's good sci-fi, which means it's also kind of a mirror for us you know, it's a cautionary tale sure. of like, hey, these characters are going through a similar thing, not unlike what's happening in our world right now. We should probably <laughs> pay attention and learn a thing or two. So, yeah, uh, it's it's fun to see little things like that pop up. I think there was an instance where Saru asked the computer 
for a list of the most decorated captains in Starfleet oh, history. Okay. And the names pop up on a screen. And if you're savvy, yeah, if you're savvy, you can pick out those names and be like, oh, I know who that is. Oh, I know who that is. It's <laughs> um, and, and like us watching Picard the other night, not last night, but the one I think a week ago where uh-huh. it was like, well, I don't want to give away spoilers, but it was kind of looking into the past of different things. And you're yes. like, oh, that's an Easter egg. We- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not super spoilery, but. The crew goes to a certain place where there's just, it's just Easter eggs galore. Oh, yeah. Even the name of the place is is an Easter egg and it's just, yeah. I think Picard is definitely like a complete, you know, homage to everyone who was really watching the TNG era. Yeah. And it was, it's, you know, bringing back all those feels. Um, and other and other franchises, too, it feels like, too. So yeah. it's like... You get really excited about the history of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, just the fact that you've got Worf, who, of course, was there through yep. TNG and also very present on Deep Space Nine. Yep. You've got Seven of Nine, who, of course, you know, came back into focus uh, Picard season one and two. But she's from, you know, Star Trek Voyager. Um, yeah, the... Picard has been described, I've heard it described as sort of a bookend, you know, to the legacy Trek. Um, also very much a love letter yes. to, to the TNG yeah. era. Uh, yeah, all of those things for sure. Awesome, awesome. We want to get into the episode? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this episode. We've got some uh, we've got some fun stuff here. So what are some of your thoughts about the main episode that we're talking about today? The War Without, The War Within. Yeah, this is uh, a really fun episode. Uh, Well, first of all, Discovery as a whole is such a fun show. And yeah, they're they're pushing some social issues. They're they're pushing a a few agendas. But not any more or less than any other version of Star Trek has over the last... 55 going on 60 years um yeah i'd still say like the base it's not the agenda is is more about the discovery and the the mystery of space and yeah and and all of that rather than any any other social political um yeah and and just like i finished saying a few minutes ago uh you know they've been this isn't new to Trek. No. Like anything that they're talking about in terms of uh, sexual orientation or race issues or uh, socioeconomic things, government issues, religious issues, that's been done since Kirk back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So, that, so this is nothing new. But I think with the aesthetic of the Kelvin timeline, J.J. Abrams, you know, entries into the franchise or alternate timeline in the franchise – um, you know, that has kind of given the green light to Paramount and Star Trek to really step up their game in terms of production. Like if you look at if you look at the legacy era of Trek, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and even Enterprise, um, there is a level of I'll just give it the blanket term of flatness to those episodes. They mm-hmm. feel very they feel very television. I think with the new camera techniques and new special effects technology, and of course, you know, they didn't go digital with Star Trek until they were well into Enterprise. So now they are 
filming 100% digital, which means uh, high def everything. They're able to pick up so many details, not to mention special effects just look even better. Because, I mean, looking at at changelings uh, now versus the changelings that appeared during Deep Space Nine... It is it is worlds apart in terms of technology. So, you know, this is the first trek on the small screen that feels like it's the big screen. Discovery. Yeah, yeah. discovery. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when it comes down to the war without, the war within, where, um, you know, they are, they are dealing with uh, the mirror universe. They are dealing with trying to find a way... To sort of end, not necessarily win, just end this um, this conflict between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. Which, unfortunately, it sounds like the only way to end it is to win it. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, that, that is essentially what Laurel says yeah. in the brig. Yeah. It's like, there is no winning this war. You either conquer we've us tasted, or die. <laughs> we've tasted your blood or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And... Uh, so it's it's interesting to see the mirror universe has always been interesting because it's been, you know, the dark side brought to the surface. Mm-hmm. And seeing stuff like that, I kind of look inwards of like, when does do I have one of those two? Do I do does that dark side uh, appear for me from time to time? You know, every now and then I it, you talk about <laughs> me being a grumpy old man from time to time. <laughs> Uh, very, you know, and I'm getting to the age where I'm getting closer and closer to, hey, get off my lawn. <laughs> but, uh, you know, looking at stuff like that and looking at the brutality of the Terran Empire and knowing, because I, I think I mentioned to someone recently that the Mirror Universe has always felt very piratey. Yes. Um, but Discovery as a show starts in a very dark place. Yes. And for them to get to the Terran Empire this early means they went even darker, which is which can be a little disturbing yeah. for some folks. But I think in terms of what they're doing here, this is the next chapter of this water cooler show. Like this is the next this is the next step on these characters journey of discovery. You know, it's interesting. We have the mirror universe, which everyone has that, but we also have something similar just happening directly within Tyler, mm. um, where we've got Volk um, kind of it within him. And now that they've almost, I guess, extracted that of him, yeah. or they think they have. Yeah. Um, you know, after this really crazy, really horrible event that happened where Volk was more, you know, more prevalent mm-hmm. uh, in this being. But um, I think that's interesting that you're talking about, you know, do you have this? Do you have this, you know, grumpy old man inside you? Tyler literally has yeah. <laughs> a grumpy old Klingon inside of him, you know. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to me, though, you know, talking about discovery and what, it's showing us in our society and what it's, you know, all of that stuff. It's very, this episode particularly for me was very interesting because so many people on the ship were like almost welcoming Tyler, mm, you know, they, yeah. they were really wanting him to feel like it's okay. Mm-hmm. Even after he killed a very important person yeah. to many people on that ship. Brutally, brutally, brutally killed. killed. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
you know, also attacked uh, Burnham directly and all of all of the things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they can see that he is not Volk now, yeah. and they can see that he's evolved from that, and and so they are evolving and and treating him as he did not he did not actually com- you know commit this crime. Mm. Yeah. Um, I am curious your thoughts in terms of. Do you think this evolution in our human race is actually possible? Or do we, in our nature, have it innate in us that we want an eye for an eye? That is a great question. Um, well, I mean, if you break if you break down the human body, it's it's chemicals and it's chemical and electrical. So could something like this be done theoretically? Sure. Um, again, I am not a scientist, so I cannot really speak with any, um, you know, validity, but just knowing that base concept of like, okay, we are essentially chemical and electrical. That's, that's, that's it. Those things are fairly easy to manipulate now. I imagine give, give us a few, you know, give us a few more years. We, there's no telling what we'll be able to accomplish. Um, and I say that with the asterisk of, good or bad uh part of me thinks because of chemicals that we are putting into our bodies um and different things that we subject ourselves to in our environment um you know our personal electronics um how is that affecting our bodies uh you and i both are sitting with laptops in front of us yeah um most people walk around with a supercomputer in their pocket all day. Yep. Uh, I remember when I worked in law enforcement, I had multiple electronic devices. <laughs> I think <laughs> on, most people do now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, hell, most of the time before we go to bed, which is not the best thing to do, but no, we're but we're, we do it. we're staring at a screen that's a few inches from our face. What what sort of effect is that having on our eyes, our brains, our hearts, uh, the rest of our organs? Um, you know, so. Part of me thinks, could we do this? Sure. Has this already been done to us? Maybe. That's something to consider. That, you know, um, you, 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 look at, you look at things in the world, um, you know, people joke about, you know, Florida man eats another person, <laughs> you know, they're on bath salts or something like that. But it, you look at stuff like that and think, how, how, did we, how did we get to this? How did we get to this place? And, you know, to find out, oh, they were on such and such amount of drugs or they had this particular uh, brain issue um, or personality disorder or something along those lines. Um, And then you start to piece these things together to find out what happened. And it's like, oh, and then you start to ask the questions, was this was this preventable? Um, You know, here we're looking here. We're just around the corner from. Uh, another, gosh, another tragedy, but it seems like these tragedies are back to back nowadays. And, you know, in the aftermath of, you know, these horrible things that happen in our world, you know, you start looking at things and think, how did we get here? How do we fix it? Yeah. And, you know, the fact that some people seem to be adamantly opposed to fixing it, um, is disturbing, which begs the question of, more rationally minded people what's wrong with that person mm-hmm. that they actively don't want to fix these things 
Um, and you know, the motivations for that sort of stuff run deep and wide. Um, but you know, having, you know, the, the, in terms of what Tyler's dealing with here in this episode, I think they were probably going for a more surface level type thing of, uh, talking about the issues of people suffering from PTSD, which is a very easy conclusion to come to. But I think today the commentary that can be discussed is much deeper than that. Absolutely. Like I, I, I think the emotions alone, you know, we, we have seen in, in discovery where even at a captain's level, your emotions get so high Mm. grief wise or, or whatever that you can't seem to make a decision. You can't seem to function. You, you, you lock up. So you do still have that humanity. Um, you know, and I think there's humanity. I'm not saying that there's not humanity in, in everyone trying to wrap their arms around Tyler and still kind of saying, Hey, we, we, you know, we know you're in there. We welcome you. You are welcome on this ship still. Right. You know, um, we're not going to take your freedom away like Saru says, you know. Even when Stamets, you know, encounters Tyler in the hallway, I mean, he's a- absolutely having an emotional reaction. Sure. But he's not, like, going after him, you know. And I think there's many emotions still in our society today where it's just like we would. We, we would want to... Like, destroy him, punch him. I mean, you and I are also watching The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, we've seen where it's just literally, you know, you are a threat to me in some sort of fashion, so I'm going to kill you. I'm I'm going to eliminate this threat. Yeah. You know? Um, But here we don't see that. Mm. And I do think that that's part of the evolution that they want us to see. So it's, it's an interesting show of emotions on this show, in my opinion. It's like we are still allowed to have emotions, but some of them we understand, I guess, more. Right. And I'm just... Yeah, and I think, you know, because of the romance building between Burnham and Tyler, this, you know, boy, she picked a doozy. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, she didn't know. She, oh, no. she she had no idea, no. but it's kind of you know as as we are seeing the large part of this narrative through Burnham's eyes, we are seeing that she is rediscovering her humanity, which means she's rediscovering humanity as a whole. Yeah, and she believes that she has found someone she can trust, someone she can love, and that's about to take a horrible turn. And she's the one, I think, in this particular situation, she's saying, no, I can't see him. I can't yeah. I, I can't let him back into my life the right. way he was. And it's like, that's the emotions I was more resonating with. Yeah. Versus everybody else saying, hey, we're, we're cool. You're cool. You know, it's just like, are, are we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> are we? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. So I t- completely resonated. I mean, and again, I think maybe there's an evolution that they're saying here. It's like we could get to this state, but. Yeah. And I mean, the, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's an issue that I have of, you know, them welcoming him back in. And I think this may even be addressed later on down the line. He is a Klingon spy. Yeah. <laughs> like. He's a, can you he's really a sleeper. Take, can you really take Volk out? Yeah. Like, how, how do you, how do you no, trust yeah, someone like yeah. that? Well, on that note, I think we should get to our recap uh, before we get too far more into the episode. Sounds good. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Q, 
Kitty B. And David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The vessel is approaching, sir. Incoming transporter signature. We're being boarded. Admiral. 20% Federation space has been occupied. We lost one third of our fleet. I started this war, and I need to finish it. Starfleet tactics have failed us. What if I could show you how to bring them to their knees? Your people slaughter innocents. How does this war end? It doesn't. Discovery is undergoing repairs. Saru meets Burnham and Emperor Giorgio in the transporter room. Giorgio calls Saru slave. He declares her presence to be classified and has her confined to quarters. Yeah? Good! Burnham apologizes for bringing Giorgio back. Saru informs her of Tyler's condition, asking for her assistance. She declines. Saru talks to Tyler. Tyler admits to Saru that he can access Valk's memories and explains the plan to infiltrate Starfleet. He seems troubled at killing Culber and thinks he should be in the brig. Yeah? Good! But Saru considers it not his fault. I guess. Back on the bridge, Discovery is unexpectedly boarded by Starfleet security, led by Cornwell and Sarek. Cornwell immediately overrides the computer, and Sarek mind melds with Saru, confirming his identity and that Lorca is dead. And on that note, we cue the music. learns the truth of Lorca's deception and the switcheroo with the ISS Discovery. She then recounts the history of the war, mostly a losing one. Burnham notes there's no logic to the targets, and Sarek explains it's a free-for-all. Because of the possible ramifications, Cornwell orders all info about the Mirror Universe deleted. How convenient! Stamets explains they're out of spores, so they'll have to use warp drive. Cornwell orders them to Starbase 1. Cornwell and Sarek meet Giorgio. Giorgio wants to go back to her universe, whereas Burnham asks for political asylum. Cornwell says they can't anyway, besides being in the middle of a war. Meanwhile, Tyler runs into Stamets and, after a tense moment, apologizes for killing Culber. Stamets briefly tells him Culber was a good man and walks away. Tyler then goes into the mess hall, gets his food, and sits alone. Tilly decides to sit with him, and eventually the others do too. Meanwhile, after dropping out of warp, they find the base destroyed, with the House of Dagor crest on it. 80,000 people are dead, and Cornwell is in shock. Saru orders a retreat. Cornwell heads to the ready room. In the brig, Cornwell explains the situation to Lorel. The Klingons are winning, but not as a unified empire. Lorel is startled, but unconcerned, still believing the Federation must be destroyed for its mission of homogenization and assimilation. Cornwell challenges this, and Lorel reiterates to Kuvma's teaching. Cornwell asks how the war will end. Lorel replies that it won't. Well, this sucks. Giorgio questions Burnham about her relationship with Sarek. Burnham wants to know how the Terrans defeated the Klingons, but Giorgio challenges her about saving her when she couldn't save her captain. Seeing this made an impact, 
Giorgio recommends destroying them at their source, Konos. The crew devise a plan. I have part of a plan. One, grow more spores. Two, jump discovery inside Konos. Three, use drones to map it. Sarek goes to meet Giorgio at her request. She notes similarities between the two Burnhams, offers more info, and demands freedom in exchange. Sarek walks with Burnham on his way out to Vulcan to discuss Giorgio's additional plan. He doesn't inform Burnham, preferring to warn her not to regret loving someone, even if it turns out badly. That is not a plan! It's barely a concept. In engineering, Burnham admits to Tilly she may not see Sarek again and feels different this time. She says she can't forgive Tyler, but Tilly convinces her to at least talk to him. Discovery arrives at Delta-2 and ejects the mycelium in little pods. The spores quickly grow. How convenient! Burnham finally confronts Tyler. Tyler apologizes for everything and insists Volk is gone. Burnham isn't convinced that he's Tyler and not also Volk. Tyler accuses her of wanting an excuse to leave, which shocks her. She can't shake the experience of him trying to kill her. Tyler says he should be a spy, but the reason he isn't is her. Burnham turns to leave, saying it won't be easy to let him go. Okay, I love you, bye-bye. Cornwall makes a ship-wide hail from the bridge, noting their situation, briefing the mission, and introducing their guide, the recently rescued Captain Philippa Giorgio. <laughs> with a backstory explaining her disappearance. Yeah, right. Burnham is tense as Emperor Giorgio calmly sits in the captain's chair. Ooh, that's interesting! And then... Command training program. It trains you for command. Right, right. You know who I was just speaking about this with? Me right now? Your stepsister. She is always so smart about these things. Oh, honey, look at your desktop. You're just so clearly overcaffeinated. It's fine, sweetie. You called for my advice. You know how you can get. No, how can I get? Sylvia, remember when you were a little girl at school and all the kids were climbing that wall and you just couldn't make it, so you ran away? It was so painful. And I don't want the command program to be like that for you. Anyway, I love you, and we'll talk soon. Quadruple espresso with milk alternative? Ill-advised. That amount of caffeine is not... It's my best friend, so shush. 
Have a glorious day. I will remember to expect nothing. Even from this espresso. Espresso. I release you. Suddenly, Tilly is disturbed by movement, noises, and the appearance of a strange orange fluid. A figure then drops to the floor. The lights flicker, and the food synthesizers eject random foods into the room. When the food storm calms, Tilly watches as an alien woman shimmers into view, growling. Despite the woman's aggression toward her, Tilly's able to scan the orange fluid with a nearby tricorder and discovers that the woman is a Zaheen teenager. While the young alien is distracted by ice cream staining her clothes and the other food around them, Tilly spots a communicator, explaining that it can translate for them. She asks for her name. They exchange sarcasms that lead to the alien finally identifying herself as Mihani Ika Hali Ka Po, which she shortens to Po. As Tilly tries to explain how bad stowing away aboard a Federation starship is, and how worried her family must be, the Zaheen says that she had to run away, and that her parents and brother are dead. Getting Poe back to her quarters, Tilly begins a search for recent incidents on the runaway. Ah, ah, there it is! There it is! Poe explains that her species was born with their planet, which makes them twins. Tilly's search soon reveals that Poe's disappearance has triggered a diplomatic hail for her safe return as strategically critical which Poe says is the result of her developing a dilithium incubator, which she did to give something back to her world. But her people ignored her desires, becoming greedy and desperate for warp technology. Tilly sympathizes with feeling unheard, but asks who else will be able to help shepherd her world. Poe believes she's the only one who can protect her twin sister. As they get ready to return her to Zahia, Poe discerns how the transporter works and Tilly asks who she learned from. Poe notes that it was her brother, the king. Tilly realizes that Poe is not just a Zaheen, she's their queen. Poe says she ran because she felt unprepared for her role, and didn't tell Tilly because she wanted to talk to another person, not someone awed by her status. She gives a dilithium crystal from Zahia to Tilly, her new best friend. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited to tell you about this. Hey folks, it's your old pal, Mr. Todd A. Davis here from the Computer Resume Podcast. Get ready to boldly go where, well, thousands have gone before. It's TrekFest 38! Yay! June 23rd and 24th in Riverside, Iowa. Hey! Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Come enjoy all kinds of free activities for you and your whole family. This year's event will feature Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine, some of the best bands in the area on the Riverside Casino and Golf Resort sponsored main stage, food, drinks, and yours truly will be doing some hosting and emceeing. I'll be upset if you don't come get a selfie with me. For more info about this year's Trek Fest, visit them on Facebook at Riverside Trek Fest or on the web at trekfest.org. That's T-R-E-K-F-E-S-T dot org. Riverside isn't just where the best begins, it's where Trek begins. Now, back to the show. I think it's interesting how Burnham asks Saru uh, if he's giving her an order. Mm. 
um, to if she's required to go see Tyler. And the reason I think this is a little funny is that she definitely doesn't have an issue with defying orders. Uh, yeah, she's she's <laughs> definitely got that in her past. I think there's definitely a note in her file of <laughs> may disobey orders. Now, you've never defied orders, though. Oh, no. No, of no. course not. No. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Um, but do you see any rules that you feel are meant to be broken? Uh, as a former law enforcement officer... I had a lieutenant tell me that the biggest responsibility you have, the biggest privilege you have as a law enforcement officer, is the decision to not arrest. And that always that always stuck with me. That always stuck with me. Um, I think there's a lot of things that are in place in terms of rules and laws that are designed to keep people safe. However, those things are not set in stone. Times change. Technology changes. Um, You know, generally, I steer clear of political things, but I alluded to it earlier, but we are still recovering from uh, another shooting in uh, Nashville. I believe. And, um, you know, a lot of people like to say second amendment, this second amendment, that, um, but I think there is a fundamental misunderstanding of what that truly means, of what the second amendment was truly intended for. Plus it's also, it was also written when the peak of firearms technology was basically a shoulder mounted (laughs) powder loaded cannon. Like, they didn't have automatic weapons yeah. back then. Uh, and it's, you know, the, people are, you know, you know, screaming Second Amendment, Second Amendment, Second Amendment. But I don't think they truly understand what that means. And it, they're also letting them blind them to reality and what is happening. So are there things, are there, are there rules that need to be broken? <sighs> broken? Not necessarily changed. Absolutely. Yeah. There are definitely things that need to be changed. Plus, you know, as as an, as a former officer, one of the things that we did, or at least one of the things I tried to do, was within the confines of the law, making sure that people stayed safe. Um, I was lucky enough to ride with a training officer who encountered somebody who was clearly impaired. And drove their vehicle through a local business's um, landscaping. And they messed up some bushes. They, you know, their tires spun some dirt around. But nobody was hurt. It would have been extremely easy to put handcuffs on the person, arrest them on the spot, and let's move on. But I watched this officer say... Is there someone who can come get your car? And then watch this officer exhaust every possibility before before needing to arrest. And luckily, we actually did not need to arrest that person on that day. And so hmm. looking at things like that, one, it's encouraging to see people thinking, you know, thinking for themselves and really trying to figure out 
the best course of action within the law. Um, like I said, would that officer have been correct in arresting the person? Absolutely. The evidence is mounted against this person. But is that the best course of action? Um, when my last post as a law enforcement officer was at a college and on the side of our cars said to educate and protect most, you know, most people have heard the phrase serve and protect. Well, in this instance, our cars said educate and protect. So anytime I had an interaction with a student who was in trouble for whatever, I took that as an opportunity to say, Hey, do you know? the penalties in terms of South Carolina law, because we're here in South Carolina, do you know the penalties for South Carolina law for drug offenses? No. Now they're thinking that they're going to hear that they're going to hear this big, long story about drug laws. I cut to the chase, say, no, you're going to be strip searched for the rest of your life. If you catch a drug charge that wakes them up real quick and say, Hey, listen, (laughs) you didn't get anybody hurt. Everything's okay. Yeah, I'm going to call your parents, but today's not the day you go to jail. You know, I try, you know, because once you get that mark on your record, you might as well drop out of school because it's it's really hard to get a job after that. Um, So, you know, we weren't there to just hook kids up and take them to jail. You know, college is a place you learn and hopefully you're living away from home or you're have some level of independence, but the learning process doesn't stop. You have to learn these things. Some people some people learn the hard way. I know I was one of those kids who had to learn the hard way. Thank God I didn't learn too many things, learn too many things the hard way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and some people don't learn. And unfortunately, you know, cut them as many breaks as you want and they still make the decision ultimately. Yeah, it's still our own responsibility to make our own changes. Yeah. Um, to do our own healing, to do our own evolution. Sure. Um, that actually kind of leads me into... And before you move on, let me just add one more thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay to ask for help. <laughs> if you know that something is a struggle for you, get help for it. Whatever yeah. it is, a teacher, a counselor, a therapist, a, a friend, a, a religious leader, somebody reach out to another human and say, I need help. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. That's interesting. Cause, uh, so, so where, when Tyler and Burnham actually do finally have that moment together, mm-hmm. um, that she comes to say goodbye, um, basically, yeah. uh, cause she can't, help him yeah um he's telling her he's he is reaching out to her he's like i can't do this without you um he's kind of created some a little bit of a codependent relationship there in a way or he thinks that he can't like he's he's in a lot of fear in the moment he's he's in a lot of pain in the moment but she's saying you know she's done this before herself and that you know reclaiming life as she said it, she was like, it's relentless and solitary. Mm-hmm. And you have to walk your own path. You have to, you know, take responsibility and and, and do the work yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there are resources available to help. So And and to be honest, we this is also what we're seeing with Tyler is kind of the 
end result of a lot of people. I mean, when he was there in uh, sick bay getting evaluated, Culber wanted to ground him. He's like, something's wrong. We need you need you yeah. need you need help. And he rejected it. He rejected getting help for whatever was happening with him. And this and then the consequences played out. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully that's. You know, again, we talked about Star Trek being this, you know, cautionary tale of like, look, if you don't get help, it might not be that you break your doctor's neck, but like nothing, nothing good comes of not getting help. Right. (laughs) And there's nothing. And like I said before, there's nothing wrong with getting help. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more lighthearted. Yes, let's. <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. Yay, ice cream. We're introduced to Poe. Uh-huh. Uh, not going to do her full name again. Um, uh, in our little short. Yeah. Um, for the first time. Yeah. And Poe is introduced to ice cream for the first time. Yes. Do you remember your first taste of ice cream? <sighs> do you remember the flavor? It was probably... My parents were big on... Briars, the Briars brand mm-hmm. of of ice cream, and I know that we didn't get super extravagant with our ice cream choices, so it was most likely chocolate or vanilla. Yeah. Uh, do I specifically remember that? No. However, what my father has iterated many times over the years is there is a picture somewhere <laughs> of young Todd A. Davis sitting in a high chair. And on the little table with the high chair is a plate. On the plate are two items. A pile of Oreo cookies and a pile of green beans. Who combines those two things on one plate? The picture depicts me going to town on that pile of green beans. And leaving the Oreos untouched. He, he takes the healthy route. I did. I, you know, little butter. I don't know that he'd make the same choice today, but. Uh, you know what? I'm a pretty big fan of green beans yes, still. Yes, <laughs> and at, at my age, Oreos do weird things to my poop. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oreos do, do weird things to everybody's poop. <laughs> That's, that, that, that is true. That's true. Um, but, you know. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, they are tasty in the moment. But, uh, you know, little little butter, a little salt and pepper on some green beans, that's tough to beat. I hear you. So uh, if there was green bean ice cream, you might you might have to try it. I'd try it. <laughs> <laughs> Odds are, I don't think there'd be much of a line for no. green bean ice no, cream. No, <laughs> I don't think there's a market for that. I don't think there's a market for that. So um, what is your favorite flavor now? Oh, you know, uh, in more recent years, I've become a big fan of coffee ice cream. Mm, Really enjoy some coffee ice cream. Uh, I'm also a big fan of mint chocolate chip. Yeah. Really like the mint and the chocolate. It kind of, you know, the... uh, the mintiness with the cold flavor. I, it's, we are both we are both children of Northerners. Yes. Uh, your family from Ohio, my family from Pennsylvania. Um, so when we lived at the beach, we just we really felt like fish out of water. Yeah, just we, did. we we didn't take to that. But anytime <laughs> ta- mountains. Yeah, but anytime we go to the mountains or go uh, north for any reason, there's a sense of like. Oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. We yeah. are we are children of the North. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I love... The North remembers. The North remembers. It certainly does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anytime 
Um, we have the opportunity to go north. It just feels it feels right. Uh, so I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of ice cream yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a local restaurant uh, that we go to on special occasions that has a really nice strawberry ice cream thing on a skillet. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I never remember the name of the dish. <laughs> it's like a strawberry shortcake, but like. Almost kind of sizzling. Like, yeah, like a yeah, like a sizzling dessert pastry yeah. topped with awards. ice cream. Yeah, it's one a bunch of awards. And you know what? Uh, I'll get you a link so that we can include it go. in the show notes, there so people can go. It's look. One of our favorite restaurants. Yes, it is wonderful. So, um, this is a very sweet encounter. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, I and I do really like these shorts that give you that interaction and that yes. that um, you know character and story development. Even though if it maybe just be setting the stage for additional plots later on. Yeah. No spoilers again. Um, but what are your thoughts on this particular short? Well, right off the bat, I've talked with a lot of different uh, Star Trek fans uh, over the years uh, since Short Treks have debuted, and the consensus is they are amazing and long overdue for a third round. Yeah. Um, I think it is a wonderful thing to bring in a young writer, a young director, Minimal cast, minimal locations, and just let a small chunk of story play out. Yeah. Uh, I recently did one with uh, somebody else, the short called Ask Not, and it involves Captain Pike and a young Starfleet cadet. Um, And they are in one room having a conversation. And I don't want to give too much away, but it is such a perfect example of exploring In that particular instance, exploring what it means to be a Starfleet officer, Mm -hmm. what it means to be a Starfleet captain, and what happens when the proverbial (laughs) hits the fan. Yeah. Um, And where do your loyalties lie? And that's 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 a tall order to accomplish in... A 10 minute short inclu- oh, yeah. including including credits yeah. and things like that and to see the director of that particular short was all music videos until that very star trek short trek they had done nothing but music videos but when i looked into that a little bit more i was like oh this kind of makes sense you've got it's kind of structured like a music video your camera is panning back and forth between two characters you're in one location so, yeah, that makes sense, which makes me think, going back to they are overdue for more rounds of short treks, let's get some of these other fantastic sci-fi, television, and film directors and say, hey, you've got the Star Trek franchise for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. What can you do? Yeah. And just see what they come up with. How, so how amazing would it be to see Guillermo del Toro... Who's worked with Doug Jones before on right. Shape of Water? How awesome would it be to see a Guillermo del Toro directed short trek? That'd be so amazing. Now, in terms of this particular short trek, um, I think this is really great. Everybody loves Tilly, and she gets some wonderful moments here. Uh, you know, we see her dealing with her mom. Um, you know, gosh, we all know what it's like to 
deal with an overbearing parent. Um, well, and I've never connected with her more than she's asking for a coffee. Yeah. And the thing is saying it's ill-advised on this level. And she's like, it's my best friend, so shush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we see her uh, sort of coming to terms and trying to trying to center herself and even releasing the, the espresso. <laughs> Just I release you. <laughs> uh, espresso, I release you. Like... <laughs> It's, it. it's such a it's such a sweet moment uh and it's sweet but also funny mm-hmm. uh but knowing knowing what tilly is going through and i've i've had this discussion with a lot of folks too um comedy is funny to everyone that it's not happening to yeah tilly's going through some hard some yeah. hard things she's dealing with some hard stuff um but you know the way that her positive energies just exude from her personality you know end up taking these hard things and kind of turning them on their head and then we get another strong personality who also has very positive things going on with within their life and we put and we put this odd couple together yeah and we see we see some things play out, and it's it's really fun to to see that. And uh, I, I love I love these characters so much. I spoke with uh, Bonnie Gordon from mm-hmm. Star Trek Prodigy, who was uh, you know just in awe of Mary Wiseman and you know the wonderful things she's been able to accomplish. Uh, in Bonnie's words, as a quirky, curvy redhead. <laughs> Uh, but you know, Tilly's a wonderful, wonderful character who I, I, lo- I love that the the crew of Discovery is such a wide range of temperaments, yeah. and personalities, and we get to see those personalities meld in different combinations here uh, throughout Discovery. But this particular short trek, we take one of the less experienced officers, but with um, Big positive energy, and we give her a small task. Well, I say a small task, an important task, but a, a task to handle by herself. And let's see how she does. Yeah. And honestly, she does a great she does job. Great. She's able to make contact. Technically, she initiates a successful first contact. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really fun. Convinces um, this teenager to go home. Yeah, convinces and... a runaway to go home. Like. That's a, tall order, That's a tall order. No matter no matter the species. And then to find out that she's going to be queen. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the episode that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I, I, you know, one of the things that um, that did stick out to me because we don't get a lot of this from Starfleet, or at least we haven't up until New Trek, with Starfleet needing to act in a tactical manner. Um, you know. Cornwell's ship drops out of warp. They beam right onto the bridge. Everybody's guns ready, you know, phasers ready, vests on. Uh, Cornwell takes control of the ship and Sir- and uh, Sarek goes right to Saru and mind melds to confirm his identity. That is a very precise tactical, uh, tactical maneuver. And I want to point out how great Starfleet is in their training, not only from the short trek that I mentioned earlier, Ask Not, that's a great glimpse into Starfleet training, but also seeing a maneuver like that lets people know, hey, Starfleet 
is not just a bunch of scientists. And while their red shirts do take a uh, a beating, a, a beating <laughs> and a fair share of uh, laughable criticism, yeah. for the most part, the Makos, which ended up being official Starfleet security, uh, the red shirts, those are some t- those are some tough hombres. Like yeah. uh, you know, those are you know. More often than not, not folks you mess with. (laughs) So while Starfleet is largely comprised of scientists, there's also some tough folks in there, too. It makes me think of some of the, uh, honestly, some of the women that I worked with in law enforcement. And and this is coming from someone who was raised by a Vietnam veteran (laughs) and worked with some really tough people in the martial arts world and got to work with these uh with these wonderful women in in law enforcement who were just tough as nails and i still to this day hold them in such high regard um not only were they good people um but just tough and really got the job done they i i think the world of folks like that who who take on a tough job and do it and do it well yeah awesome yeah Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've come to the part of our episode Mm -hmm. where, uh, and since I'm the host this time, we're going to call it, who do we graciously thank for their contribution to this episode? (laughs) That's that's fair. It's 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 your call. It's your call. So we are, we have been chatting about The War Without, The War Within, which was written by Lisa Randolph. Her last work in the chronology was Discovery Season 1, Episode 11, The Wolf Inside, which we discussed with the creator and host of Trexpert's Quiz podcast, Davey Willett, on Episode 97. This episode was directed by David Solomon. Uh, His first credit was as a writer on the Season 1 episode titled Pay the Two Bucks of the series Paris from 1979, starring James Earl Jones as Woody Paris. Here's the elevator pitch. Woody Paris, police captain and loving husband, leads his team of detectives through the black and white and gray that constitutes the world of law and order. Mm-hmm. It sounds like fun. I'd watch James Earl Jones as a police captain. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, Solomon's first film was My Favorite Year in 1982 as assistant film editor. The following year, David would work on a little film called Risky Business. That movie was nominated for a WGA Award and a Golden Globe and stars Rebecca De Mornay, Joey Pants, and my absolute favorite actor of all time, no matter what he's in, (laughs) whether I've seen it or not, I'd already love it. And I will always love it till the end of my freaking days. BAFTA nominee, three-time Golden Globe winner, two-time People's Choice winner, two-time SAG nominee, PGA Lifetime Achievement Award recipient, four-time Oscar nominee, blah, 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 grossing well over $10 billion worldwide, Tom motherfucker <laughs> Cruise. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> It's almost as if someone wrote that for you. I hate him. <laughs> I shouldn't use the word hate. 
But I really don't like the guy. <laughs> and I really don't like his movies. Like, he's the same guy, in my opinion. My This is my opinion, everybody. He's the same guy in every movie. And I just... <laughs> seen a Tom Cruise film like he couldn't figure out the plot in about 18 seconds. <laughs> oh, Christ. He's a cocktail maker. He's a pretty good cocktail maker, too. Until he has a crisis of confidence and can't make cocktails anymore. <laughs> He meets a good-looking woman who talks him into being a better cocktail maker. <laughs> a riveting piece of cinema that was. <laughs> then he's a race car driver. Pretty good race car driver, too. <laughs> then he has a crisis of confidence. Can't race cars anymore. Then he meets a good-looking woman who talks him into being a better race car driver. <laughs> then he's a jet pilot. Some of you are starting to see a pattern emerge here. Pretty good jet pilot? Yes, he was. Well, he had a crisis of confidence, couldn't fly jets anymore. Then I believe he met a good-looking woman who talked him into being a better jet pilot. <laughs> then he was a sports agent. <laughs> but thank you for writing that wonderful little bit that oh. I have to say. Oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. To <laughs> everyone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> It's also April Fool's, everybody, that, you know, <laughs> we're recording this on, so he had to do that. Anyway, uh, Solomon also worked on 23 Perry Mason made-for-TV movies as either an editor, a producer, or sometimes both. My, my, my parents loved Perry Mason. I think my mom did, too. Yeah. Um, so it's no surprise that his first directing gig would be on Matlock, Season 3, Episode 7, The Vendetta, 1989. In addition to Andy Griffith in the title role, um, this episode featured Don Knotts and Star Trek alums Daniel Davis and Christopher McDonald. Oh. David would go on to direct episodes of Firefly, Buffy, True Calling, Chuck, Knight Rider, the newer one from 2008. Mm. Um, Dollhouse, Fringe. That was one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. We love Fringe. Once Upon a Time, Grimm, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Cool. This is his only work on the franchise. David Solomon's most recent work has been two episodes of short-lived romantic murder comedy Panhandle. Mm. I saw the trailer for that. It actually looked kind of interesting. Did but it? Yeah, it looked like a... It looked like it was similar to Monk, where you had um, a there was a, a cop who was more of a beat cop in sort of a rural rural town, mm-hmm. who was saddled with working with somebody who was like obsessive compulsive and uh, had some other unique personality quirks. But yeah, yeah it was int- in fact that the guy who had the guy who had all the personality quirks was is the same guy who plays Lenny Bruce. On the marvelous Mrs. Oh, Maisel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love that show. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, there are a few returning guest stars for this episode. Michelle Yeoh as George Joe. Congratulations on your Oscar. Yeah. Jane Brooke as Admiral Cornwell. Mary Chifo as Laurel. And James Frain as Sarek. We also talked about Runaway, which was written by Jenny Lumet. Daughter of the legendary film director Sidney Lumet. Oh. Jenny graduated from Dalton School in her hometown of New York City. New York City! 
Her first acting credit was Everybody Rides the Carousel, 1976, when she was nine years old. Jeez. Along with Lane Smith and Meryl Streep. Not a bad thing to have on your resume early in your career. (laughs) Uh, LeMay made appearances in two of her father's films, Death Trap in 1982, starring Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve, and Running on Empty in 1988, starring River Phoenix and Judd Hirsch. That film was nominated for two Oscars, Best Actor and Best Writing. Nice. Uh, Yeah, more great stars. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say four more legends. (laughs) After appearing in the Run DMC movie, Tougher Than Leather, in 1988, she'd do a few other projects before her first writing credit in 2008, Rachel Getting Married. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that one. I, I, I haven't seen it, but I, there were, the marketing for that was everywhere oh okay. yeah yeah uh, i was probably a little distracted since we got married in 08 so i was, I was yeah. a little busy prepping for a wedding yeah <laughs> uh directed by this i'm uh, sorry rachel getting married was directed by uh jonathan demi demi yeah yeah uh and starring anne hathaway rosemary dewitt and deborah winger that film was nominated for 65 different awards, including an Oscar, 132 of those, with 15 nominations and seven wins, going directly to Jenny. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. About 10 years later, she'd work on another film with Star Trek alum Alex Kurtzman, who also wrote this episode with Lumet, uh, called The Mummy, starring Star Trek alum Sophia Butella. Mm-hmm. In the title role, yeah. but most of the focus was on her co-star, mm, <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> Why? <laughs> anyway, this is her first writing in the franchise, but not her last. Dun dun dun! Spoilers. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> this short was directed by Maha Vervillo. I think that's how you pronounce that. Yeah. Whose first credit was as an assistant editor for 16 episodes of Erotic Confessions. Ooh. Ooh. 1994, 1997. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Maha worked her way up to supervising editor of 41 episodes of The New Hawaii Five-0. Nice. Her first directing was on season three, episode seven of Graceland. Bravillo has also directed episodes of Prison Break, Gotham, and Salvation before this, her first directing in the franchise, but again, it won't be her last. The only real guest star does 50% of the heavy lifting here. Yadira Gruvera Pripp <laughs> as Poe. <laughs> You're not going to do the whole name again? <laughs> Me, Hani, Aiki, Aika, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> As Poe. We're just, we're just going to do Poe. Okay, fair enough. Her resume isn't as deep as some of the rest of these folks, uh, or her name in the episode, um, <laughs> that we've talked... Anyway, never mind. I'll just do this whole thing over again. Okay. Um, the only real guest star in this episode does 50% of the heavy lifting here. Yadira Gravera Pripp. As me, Hani, Aika, Holly, Ka, Poe, or just Poe. 
Her resume isn't as deep as some of the rest of the folks we've talked about today, but she did mostly shorts and a few smaller TV spots before this, her first appearance in the franchise, but not her last. Nice. Yeah, good job. on. The, uh, yeah, you had a couple of... <laughs> very, very tough names uh, to uh, to try to uh, muddle your way through. Those th- those are thank you. Thank those you. Are, those are I tough. Those are tough names. <laughs> now you know what I deal with. I know. I know. I don't. I do not envy you. Um, I'm not great with names, but I do my best. Yep. So we make the effort. So Todd A. Davis. Yes. Is this is the main episode we watched? Essential viewing. Uh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, from, you know, I mentioned that it is a water cooler show. Uh, and so it's really hard to skip any episode and not be left out on something. Uh, this is really kind of the first instance where we are seeing a couple of things wrap up. So this is the conclusion to a lot of issues with, uh, you know, Burnham and Tyler and, uh, you know, dealing with the fallout of the death of Dr. Culber and things like that. Uh, not only that, but we are seeing some things coming to a head, you know, instead of, you know, we've got things ending, but we all, we've also got some things beginning in that, uh, Giorgio Emperor Giorgio is, uh, brought on board under the guise of Captain Giorgio, who we all know died during, you know, the battle of the binary stars uh, but, you know, her cover is um, brought in by Starfleet. So we are seeing some things done by Starfleet, which are in a gray area, I'll say. They're making decisions. They are making some tough decisions. Uh, decisions that will have long lasting effects. But, you know, Someone has to be responsible for these types of decisions. These are decisions that, you know, captains and admirals have to make. If anybody out there thinks captains and admirals just sit there ordering their Earl Grey tea and reading Shakespeare in the ready room and letting number one handle everything, that is not the case. (laughs) I mean, I would (laughs) if I was an admiral. I mean, what's the point (laughs) of not having that title? But anyway, but uh, I, rec- I recall talking with comedian Patrick Cunningham about one of the a mini series or even a comic series that I would love to see is one on Admiral Cornwell because we see her uh, we see her as an admiral, but yeah. we get into a little bit of her history knowing that we see her as a prisoner of war with Tyler at one point. We also get to see her. Uh, and know that she was part of Starfleet Medical. Yeah. Specifically, she was a psychiatrist. Yeah. So there's several of those on this series. Yeah, there's a few of those. But seeing her in sort of a war capacity, yeah. knowing how great of an undercover operative she would make, um, I would love to see a even if it was just a short comic series yeah. or maybe uh, some sort of digital animated short about Cornwell before the war, you know, Cornwell as a, as a young operative or as a young uh, Starfleet officer. I think that would be really cool because yeah. she's a great character. Uh, but anyways, back to your original question. Is this essential viewing? Yes. Uh, the narrative, I believe it is an essential part of the narrative. 
and we see some big character moments here. So if you're following the narrative, it is. If you're following the narrative of Tyler, if you're following the narrative of Burnham, this is an absolute must-see for awesome. sure. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree. So. And along with that, uh, the short. If you're following the character track of Tilly, then this is also a must-see. And knowing that the character, not to let the cat out of the bag too soon, but knowing that we will see the character of Poe again, it is kind of nice to get this sort of origin story. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. origin story to that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I would absolutely say that these are essential viewing. Awesome. Awesome. Any parting thoughts? Uh, you know, honestly, I'm just so thrilled that um, I've gotten to take this journey with the love of my life. Um, sometimes kicking and screaming. <laughs> uh, but always, we always have fun. Only when I have to talk about Tom Cruise. <laughs> Don't ever make me talk about him again. <laughs> All right. You're hearing it here first, folks. I will never force my wife to talk about Tom Cruise on the mic ever again. I have a feeling he's lying. (laughs) I'm a a man of my word. I I will not force you to talk about Tom Cruise. (laughs) Um, But anyways, it it has been um, an honor and a privilege to take this journey with you. I'm glad that we've been able to connect over another pop culture franchise in fact yeah. it was you know connecting over a pop culture franchise was one of the things we did early on in our relationship yeah lost yeah which i've been re-watching <laughs> yeah we connected on lost but even before that friends yeah and before that you hadn't really watched friends so i was intrigued. i was aware of it yeah i was reintroducing you to it yeah but you were like hardcore oh, about it yeah hard but one of the things that we connected on and that we found out was a connection that we had in terms of pop culture from our from our mutual childhoods was the show Highlander. Oh, yeah. We, we almost did a podcast on Highlander. I, I have told folks a couple uh, more than once that uh, com- Computer <laughs> Resume podcast was almost my Highlander podcast. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was the first idea for a podcast that yeah. I had was the Highlander show. That but, would be um, fun. Yeah. And we might I, still do it. I may still do it. Yeah. You never know. Um, but yeah, it, this has just been really great to take this, uh, to take this journey with you. I'm so honored that anybody listens to my show. <laughs> 100 episodes 100 episodes here we are and i hope they're not too disappointed that i'm the guest and it's not somebody bigger and better but uh, i hope you're not too disappointed that i'm the host <laughs> you've done a wonderful job it it is no small task uh to it's really not to do to do this it, you know i and i've been on shows where the you know the notes section is uh extensive Mm -hmm. but i cranked out six pages of notes for this particular episode and you handled them better than most would thank you uh yeah so you're you're no dummy and you you've you've clearly been doing this you know you've done this more than once this is not your first rodeo (laughs) um but yeah you're an absolute pro and uh, I'm I'm honored that if I can't do it, I found someone who can. <laughs> oh no, that's what this was all about. He was testing me, folks. That's it. That's oh, it. Oh, <laughs> but dear. but it's I'm I'm truly honored. So thank you, everyone, including you. Thank you.
Awesome. Thank you. And folks, we want to give a special thank you to all of our past guests, all the comedians and creators, podcasters and patrons, authors, artists and actors, builders and buddies, gamers and good friends all. Everyone at Red Shirts Podcast, Where's Bev, the BQN Network and Shuttle Pod Show, the folks at Antarctic Press and Verge Games, Cinema Shock, The More You Nerd, and Cosmic Crit, and of course, the wonderful and gracious Star Trek alumni we've had on the show so far, Bonnie Gordon, Spencer Garrett, Menina Fortunato, and Connor Trenier. Thank you all for all of your support and being so awesome to join us on the show. Next week is our season five finale. Yay! We will be joined by local comedian Melly Kazel to discuss Discovery Season 1, Episode 15, Will You Take My Hand? And Short Treks Season 1, Episode 4, The Escape Artist, both of which are available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Nice. Todd, do you have any projects or charities that you want to promote with us today? Well, I uh, would like to let everybody know that uh, June 9th, I'll be headlining a comedy show in Hiawassee, Georgia. Uh, Check out my social media for details as those come up. Uh, June 22nd through 25th, I will be at Trek Fest 38 in Riverside, Iowa. Please, please come to Trek Fest. Say hello. Take a selfie with me. Have some food. Have some drinks. Play some trivia. Uh, It's going to be a absolute blast i'm really looking forward to that uh trekfest.org for all those details uh if you like uh genre films uh martial arts movies science fiction (laughs) horror fantasy please consider checking out cinema shock the podcast that i do with my good friends gary horn and justin bishop uh, we are friends of over, oh gosh, over 20 years now. Um, and oh gosh, our 25 years. Oh man. Oh. And don't think about it. Oh no, <laughs> we're all so old, <laughs> but we have a great time discussing, uh, genre film history, the stories behind the stories that you love. So you can check that out at cinemashock.net and at cinema underscore shock on the socials. And if you like, TTRPGs, uh, set in space. Sometimes we play Star Trek Adventures from Modipus. Please check out at Cosmic Crit on all the socials and at Cosmic Crit on YouTube. And if you're looking to just follow me and see pictures of my food and old cars <laughs> and my dog and comic book stuff and selfies I take with my wife while we make funny faces, uh, I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and D&D Beyond, as long as they behave themselves. <laughs> I am at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. And from all of us at Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 Forward.
us on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. It's me, honey, Ikey. Me, honey, Ikey. Hail, Holly. Damn it. <laughs> me, honey, Ikey. Holly, Ikey. Ika. Ika. How's that for a slice of fried gold?